In today's episode, we discover the secret sauce to making collaborations strong, successful, and sustainable. Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. Hi, Nancy. I was just remembering that about two years ago, we recorded an episode on collaboration. Ah, I think I remember that. I think I remember that. We talked about Sometimes collaborations can be hard, right? And we talked about that and we we shared some skills and expertise and some ideas on how to have better collaborations. Right. So I'm involved in a couple of collaborations right now. And so I actually went back and listened to that episode again recently to remind myself of our good suggestions about how to think strategically about collaborating. And, and one of the key points there was knowing why we're coming together, why a couple of organizations are choosing to collaborate. Anyway, all the points we made are still relevant and totally worth listening to again. And yet I'm involved in several collaborations right now. And I think there's an elephant in the room about them and how to make them work that we didn't spend enough time on in that episode. Oh, boy. Well, I'm so pleased to hear that we gave helpful advice. (laughs) That makes me happy. Okay, so what's the elephant in the room that we forgot to talk about? Well, that a collaboration by its very nature requires two or maybe three or four, depends on the collaboration, different organizational cultures to come together. And that Mm -hmm. is an art. So I thought we could explore a bit about how to do that organizational culture collaboration well, because at the end of the day, I think it's the foundation for success and sustainability for the content collaboration that'll follow. Mm, it makes so much sense. You know, in talking about culture, so often people talk about icebergs. And when you talk about icebergs, there's that whole like, you know, you can only see the top part, you can't see the bottom part, you have icebergs colliding and what that looks like. And I can just picture it in my head when you're talking about two or three nonprofits getting together to collaborate, I just see those three icebergs just kind of bumping into each other. And there's no way this could possibly work. We must have some good guidance on this. Well, (laughs) well, it can. I mean, that's the good news. It can work. And it starts with step one, which I call know thyself, or maybe it's know thy ice. And that is that each organization maybe before even entering into that first meeting of collaboration, needs to understand and recognize their own organizational strengths, their own organizational weaknesses, and how they would define their culture. You know, my culture might be that we're um, risk takers and we love embrace innovation. And maybe your organizational culture is you're very data driven and you make very rational linear decisions. You can start to imagine that those two organizational cultures, if not acknowledged and dealt with, could eventually create some friction, right? So if you started every collaboration meeting not with the content of what you're collaborating around, or even the vision of what you want to get to, but instead a sharing of here's who we are and what we bring to the table and how we tend to make decisions or feel comfortable and and actually had a conversation around it. Then I think when you had that visionary and content collaboration meeting, you'd be so much better off. Mm, I think you're so right. And I love that you're starting with organizational values and how those values kind of manifest themselves. 
that culture I have found is just really hard because culture is the air that we breathe. It's like my culture is so normal to me that I don't even know that it's my culture, right? And and an organizational culture, similarly, it's all they know. And so it's it is what it is and nobody else can can kind of dispute what it is because it's it's the air that they breathe so i think what you're saying is really important around making it extrinsic kind of taking it out of your body so to speak so you can name it you can talk about it you absolutely can, you can talk about it without judging that so often people judge you know we're really informal and you're more formal and so which is the better way and i think you got to get to a place where you're not judging well and that's key nancy that's step two which is naming that tension and naming that tension mm-hmm. without judgment. Because when I see collaborations fall apart, it's not usually over the content, right? Like usually groups come together because they do share a vision. We want to end homelessness. We want to teach all children to read. And we know that takes, you know, multiple groups coming at this from different perspectives. There's usually wonderful alignment and agreement there where it starts to hit is when you want to move slowly and deliberately and I want to move fast, right? And how do we find the middle ground in that and not end up me leaving the meeting thinking, ah, Nancy's organization just you know, thinks all the answers are out there if we just search for them far enough. And that's not true. And Nancy leaves feeling frustrated that I keep pushing the envelope forward. And then we lose sight of the content. So I really think a key component is not only that self-reflection to know thyself and what your iceberg is, but then to listen to the other groups and have an honest conversation around, I can't anticipate we're going to struggle here (laughs) or over Mm -hmm. here. Um, And let's just acknowledge that now so that we don't leave the room frustrated with each other. And while we're talking about culture, let's talk about culture related to tension, right? Totally. That how many of us have cultures where conflict is bad? Like we we don't talk about conflict. We kind of put it under that carpet and we kind of step over it and trip over it, but we don't talk about it and we don't we don't air it. And I I, I think one place to start is really having a great conversation about tension, about conflict, about what are the differences and move away from a binary that often people are like, there's my way and there's your way, which is the right way. We could go up or down. We could go fast or slow. And one part is get to a place where you're comfortable with conflict and tension and know that all the research tells us that we get better decisions when there is tension and conflict, right? It As long as we're having conversations about ideas, it, it makes us better. Yeah. And as long as we're respectful with it, right? Right. Which leads me, I think, to my step three, which is I think you have to actually create a structure to hold this. It's one thing to name it and acknowledge it. It's another to say, okay, together, here's how we're going to resolve those issues. So if we're all conflict averse, okay, what are we going to do when we start to feel it? Um, And if we're all fine with conflict, we still don't want that to get out of control. How are we going to, you know, how do we resolve it? And so, you know, what's your, either your system or your process to mediate it? So, you know, some I can picture things like a shared value list that says we're going to move forward and actually take action when we've met these criteria. And that's that compromise that you're talking about, not binary. It's we created that new culture together. I think about leadership. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, you say you have two organizations coming together and you're pulling together this set of common values and common 
ways to move forward, I have to imagine that it's either the the executive director or the board chair or the project lead, whoever it is that's leading this whole thing, they really have a space to step into leadership and to step into a a place where they're building people moving together and and really stepping into leadership. I mean, have you seen that play out in the work that you're doing? Absolutely. And and you know, one of the essential components is that the collaboration team involves equal representation from all the organizations and equal representation not just in numbers but equal representation in in leadership, right? So it won't work if the executive director from one organization is there and you know, the the intern is there from the other organization. You, you need an equal right. structure there so that that leadership is shared. It's not one organization able to kind of control and dominate it so that, again, what you create is the system or structure that works for both organizations. I can imagine. I mean, you almost have to think about like a literally a separate job description, but really having this, I'm the executive director of, of this organization. And in terms of this project, I am representing my organization in this collaborative effort. So my job isn't just to serve my organization. My job is to serve the purpose, right? It's to serve the collaboration, right. which means I have to bring my staff, my board along with me. And that's a special role. Absolutely. And then the last step I want to talk about today is the one that kind of bridges into the episode we already did two years ago, where we did talk about the importance of building trust. And it's just worth repeating and and, and worth Again, if you listen to both episodes, if you take nothing away, <laughs> the trust element is so key. It's really important, I think, in a, any collaboration to take the time to build the trust between the organizations. And that can be really subtle. I mean, sometimes it's like having lunch together and the chit chat time that comes from two organizations or three organizations coming together. Sometimes it's very explicit, like let's do some sort of uh, icebreaker exercise, or sometimes it's in practice. Uh, let's make some early decision together, like our how will we handle tension? And in that process, in being open and non-judgmental and listening to each other, you're amassing trust. Mm -hmm. I think in that relationship building, I mean, we talked about the values of the organization. You're also getting to know the values of the individuals. And then that's so important because ultimately you're going to be making consequential decisions. And whenever, I mean, you think about any consequential decisions you've made in your life, you know, get married, to buy a car, to buy a house, to change jobs, like whatever conversations you've had, the people guiding you and, and standing with you and walking with you, you've trusted them. You've made consequential decisions within that relationship. And so we don't often think about that in the nonprofit sector. We don't, you know, we sit in our boards and we don't actually deep relationships with that notion that we're making consequential decisions. And I think that's important here too. Absolutely. And that and that trust is is what gives you the confidence to make those decisions together. Right. So what's our word of the week? Uh, well, it's collaboration. Shocking. <laughs> and, you know, it comes from the Latin to labor together. And when I read that phrase, I instantly thought of like a soccer team or, you know, some sort of athletic team laboring together on a field. And then I thought of Ted Lasso and all the conversations around teams having strong, clear recognizable, nameable cultures. And when I think about teams that have done that well, it's been intentional. 
and they've been built. They didn't just happen or there was a culture and someone decided it wasn't a good one. <laughs> so an intentional effort was put forth um, to change it and um, to, to make it something that we don't just, we hope it works out, but instead is thoughtful and strategic. And I think that is key to collaboration. I so agree. And when I was thinking about co-labor, as you as you said it, I began to think about that labor piece of who defines the labor, who defines the work. And, you know, as you said earlier on, rather than diving right into the content and just getting, you know, right to work on the collaboration itself, I think there is that collaboration on the collaboration. So that co-laboring on what the work is. So planning the work before you start the work so that the work runs so much more smoothly once you start it. I agree completely. You know, it's good to remember that all of us in the nonprofit sector are working on hard, complex issues, and we can't always solve everything on our own. Sometimes it just makes sense to collaborate. And that can be a really powerful thing, but only when you put the time in to make sure your collaboration itself is strong and based in trust. And you do that by recognizing the similarities and differences in the organizational cultures that are coming together and taking the time to build trust and that unique culture of the collaboration itself. The art of doing this is not impossible. It just takes some patience, time, and intentionality. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.